Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Um. Let's podcast. Let's podcast. Let's podcast. Let's do it. Let's podcast. It's great. It's great. Look, you can't beat her, but you did good. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have the podcast? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Teeth clenched. Uh, hello, everybody. My name is Griffin Newman. I am Davy Sims. Uh, whoa, 2018, hey. baby. Davy Sims. Loosen that tie. No, no, no. I'm tightening it back up. I'm David Sims. <laughs> oh. Um, this is a podcast called Blank Check with Griffin and David. Uh, it's a podcast about filmographies. Directors who have massive success early on in their career and are issued a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they there want. There you go. Oh, here, a check for you. Here you mm. are. Thanks, I'll take any check I want. And you another. Want? Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, that check cleared. Let's see what that second check did. Boing. 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 <laughs> Bounce, baby. <laughs> uh, we're hashtag the two friends. Competitive advantage. No other podcasts have that going forward. And 2018 still. Wishing you no a happy. No competitive. No one can compete. 2018. Uh, now yeah, I wish you a happy 2018. I stepped all over you there. <laughs> to all our, our Blanksikins. Oh. Oof. I don't know. That's what he does. I, I know it's what he does. <laughs> we don't have to do everything he does. Blankadians. Yeah. Uh, we made a promise. A solemn vow. <laughs> <laughs> on this show. Fair. Because if we've covered director, we become invested. Mm-hmm. And we can't just leave him behind. We can't just close the book. Nope. We can open the book. Yeah, like we a, can't just stop the presses. Yeah, but we can't just no. stop the presses. <laughs> book a Henry. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm out of it today. You, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, we said if a director we have covered in the past. We've done it before. In a miniseries. As a new film, we're going to do a one-off. We're going to revisit them. Has it, we only done this with Shyamalan Split so far? Is that the only director we've covered? Yeah, and then Rogue uh, One is sort of Star Wars was right, a pre-director. But, you know, so, that's, yes. that's kind of a... But that's the only that's one that's different. happened so far, right? I guess so. Come on, guys. I know. Well, we have uh, Glass will be coming out in 2018. No, Glass is 2019. 2018, we get, we get uh, another a couple Spiely. things. We get another Speely because that guy's fucking working. Working. We get the Han Solo movie. Right. And I feel like there's one other thing maybe that's coming. I can't remember now. Aquaman. <laughs> Swimming towards Ruler us. Ruler of the seas. <laughs> my man. Oh, my man himself. Nothing but respect for my man. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's funny how we've done Star Wars for Christmas, like you yeah, know, three years in a row on this Our show. Tradition, yeah. And uh, for the fourth year, of Christmas will be Aquaman because <laughs> there's no Star Wars that Christmas. Um, well, yeah. Let's see. I mean, what? So M, M- Night's cooking right now. Yeah, he's cooking. Cammy's got you know Avatar two coming, but God knows when. Right. Uh, other Cammy's got nothing seemingly inactive. Active Cammy's development. Doing. He's got a bag of chips on his lap. He's got a bag of chips on his lap. He's uh, in Pop The Wachowskis are sort of off the map right now. And we need them now more than ever. We, I really I think agree. So. Yeah. I agree. I still want that fucking Wachowski fourth world movie. Uh, yeah. Give it to me. Yeah. Uh, they'll never. Get they'll that. never let him they'll do never it. They'll never get that. Uh, um, I feel like, and who's the other person we've, uh, well, Bigelow. Yeah. Bam, sort of Bam Bam sort of just released a mark. film. Yeah. 
Well, that's the thing we did. We haven't had to follow up because we just did two miniseries where people had movies that were coming out roughly in the time. Yeah, that's true. Nolan and Megalo. It, it's we, harder, we but sim- still lined it up. Yes, come on. Still, let's let's get let's get work in. Well, but, so Stevie Spielberg. But this is Spielberg, the most successful filmmaker of all time. Yeah, he makes movies. Biggest blank check of all time. What does he do? He makes movies. He picks a script. He gets to make it. Yeah. And this is an example of he read a script in March of 2017 mm-hmm. and said, I want to make this. Yep. And we saw this film. Nine months later. November 20th. That's right. Yes. We're recording this at the end of November. We saw it early. Humble brag. Mm-hmm. David is now has entered the I'm circle. The critic circle. You're in the New York Film That's Critic a nice Circle. Nice early screening. Some of our friends were there. Anne Roth. Uh, a plus friend. number one, Anne Roth was number there. She David was David Ehrlich. David Ehrlich. It was like the, in terms of fame. Yes. Number one, Anne Roth. Number two. Number two, David Ehrlich. Number three, Jordan Hoffman. Yes. Very kindly brought, uh, uh, helped bring Ben. He he gave along. a plus one to producer Ben. To mm-hmm. Producer yeah. Ben to the glad. Ben Deucer, to well, the poet laureate to yeah. the Haas, Mister Hositive, Mister Positive, the Peeper, the Tiebreaker, the poet laureate, our finest film critic, the Fuckmaster, not Professor Crispy, Dirt Bike Benny, Soaking Wet Benny. I, I like it's graduate to certain <laughs> titles over the course of different miniseries, such as Kylo Ben, producer Ben Kenobi, Ben I Chamlon, Ben Say Say Ben anything, Ayla Ben's with a dollar sign, War Haas, uh, and and uh, ben, 19? ben Nineteen, the Fennel Maker. Oh, Purdue Bane. And Purdue Bane. Oh, right. Oh yeah, Nolan. Well, he, we don't know what he's up to either. Yeah. But I said he was another guy where he yeah, had no, one. I know. We synced You're up. Right. You're right. We synced up, baby. Baby. Uh, anyway, so number one, Ann Roth. Number two, Ehrlich. Number three, Jay Hoffs. Mm-hmm. Number four, I guess Meryl Streep. She's kind of on the up and up. Rob Shear, friend of the podcast, he was there. I don't know if you saw him. I didn't see Rob. Well, you were in the nice. bathroom. Number I ran five, to Rob. Rob Shear. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number six, like uh, fuck, you Odenkirk? know that Odenkirk. Odenkirk was there. Bob Odenkirk. Beautiful Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, he was just doing. He was doing five minutes. I don't know. Ah, God damn it. That's what he was doing. He was running up and down. Uh, yeah, he was just. Yeah. Ah, God damn it. Now, why would you want to do that? Ah, come on. Uh, number Beautiful seven, Bob. Tom Hanks. I'm, I'm sick of this bit. Who yeah, else was whatever. there? I don't know. Uh, there was no, oh, Matthew Reese was there. Was there was a Q&A with Spiely, Merrill, Tommy, yeah. and Roth. <laughs> it really is funny where it was like. Beautiful Bob, Matthew Reese. Do you think yeah. Ann Roth just lives like near Lincoln Center? And Steven I think she lives Spielberg in the Egyptian. Like, <laughs> Screen number seven. I think she lives in the Egyptian. I love. She lives in the popcorn machine. (laughs) I fucking love that the Lincoln Square AMC. For those of you who don't live in New York City, this is the only theater in New York that still does. It's not numbered. Each theater has like a theme and the like. The gateway for that theater, Mm. the the sort of foyer you could say, is like themed around a different culture. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, to some extent, I don't know how much of an effort they made with all of them. Right, but they don't go like. Theater seven in the back to your left. You go. You're going to be in the Egyptian. Yeah, you're in the Olympic. All right. The Aztec. Well, right? I'm pretty sure I'm in a shitty movie theater. Is what I mean. <laughs> but okay. I mean that theater, the main theater, it's is nice. Gorgeous. One of the Very best nice screens theater. in New York City. Great screen. The other screens at Lincoln Square, apart from the IMAX, which is sure. obviously awesome. But like the other screens, like a square, kind of. Okay, dumpy. but I love that theater. Nothing but respect for my theater. Eh. My theater. My man. I was just recounting to uh, somebody, Emma Stefanski, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. That uh, I was, I saw the first movie in that theater ever screened, which was Star Trek Generations at my friend's eighth that birthday party. That was when party. that movie opened, yeah. that theater opened? 1994. Wow. wow. Or five, whenever that is. Wow. 
Wow. Wow. Oh, Melissa Venus and you're always here. Mater, what are you doing? It's time to race cars. Mater. All right. So uh, Stevie Spielberg. Yes. Made a movie called The Post. He's, he's sitting on his ass farting out some special effects for fucking Ready Player One. Right. Long post-production process. Post? Post. What? Production process. Okay. On Ready Player One, because that movie is predominantly mocap footage. Yeah, let's say he's pre-post, post-Ready Player One right. at this point, right? Right. But he doesn't even know he's pre-post. He's pre-pre-post. He's mid-post. He's mid-post well, Ready mid-post, Player One. He's pre-post. But he's pre-post-post. And we're Pre-pre-post. Re- we're recording this post having seen the post, but pre-post being unleashed on the culture. But it's coming out post-post. This will come out post-post. This yeah. will come out in a post-post It's going to be post-post-post. Yes. Okay, good. Glad that's all. And let's, uh, let's out. mention that uh, you know people that we're pro Smiths and anti bits. Yes, we're pro Smiths <laughs> anti bits, but also that um, you know people know that we saw this movie early because sure. Jordan Hoffman did some pre post posts. That's right, he did some pre post posts and he I think some pre post post. He did a post post pre post post pick. <laughs> My God! So Ben has informed us we have to wrap this episode yeah. as quickly as we're possible. Done. We're on the clock. We're done. So Stephen, you know what though? Short movie. It's a short movie because we were taking bets before, and mm-hmm. I was trying to do prices right rules. Like closest to that going over, and I was like, eh, I'm gonna go one twenty seven. Like I was like, what? it's gonna be right. a hair over two, and they were like one fifty five. Under two. Well, well, you 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 sort of swapped your. I'm you, sorry. You, <laughs> I was guessing 127 minutes. I know. That, I was guessing a clean that, Danny it's, Boyle. It's, it's an hour. It's basically an hour fifty. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I guessed one minute, so I was right. Okay. Fuck you. <laughs> All right. Uh, the post. He uh is, is in <laughs> what belabored. Fuck you, Ben Ben Hosley over here. Ten He's minutes in late. The belabored post hey. process. Okay, I can be late sometimes. <laughs> Very unprofessional, it, Liam. <laughs> don't you talk to my family like that. I love how the, the late period Spielberg movies make us goofy, no matter what. Like, always. It, it always. Uh, I texted uh, Ben uh, chastising him uh, for being 10 minutes late because I am never late to this Never. Podcast. Griffin's never been late to anything. Anything ever. And I meant to write, I am shocked and appalled by your unprofessionalism, but it autocorrected to unprofessional Liam, who was America's new favorite character, Unprofessional Liam. He's People my cousin. He's sort of like a slow poke. Like, like slow poke Pokemon. Pokemon. <laughs> oh no. I was thinking, what's the name Why of Why are we this punchy? What's the name of the, the fast mouse from Looney Tunes? Speedy Gonzalez. Too right? soon. Oh. Is he dead? 2018. It's, come on. <laughs> oh, you're just worried? I'm worried he might die between now and then. I mean, my story will be that revealed long. to that be like been some 60. kind of a Something. goddamn sexual harasser. Something, yeah. yeah right. Oh, man. Well, oh, that actually brings up a good point. No one's been talking about the, um, the skunk character. Pepe oh, Le Pew. He major is. creep. Yeah, he's a bit of a creep. But this is like the thing that happens is like, you know, Gawker reported on all these people for years and years. Yeah, they have blind the stories were out Pepe there. That's true. No, but right. But it takes the New York Times to take these people down. Sure. Like they had fucking Toback Spy Magazine well, was ripping on him in the, on in the, the 80s. And all that. And so, right. You know, people but it have took any New York Times to come out with the most Tobackian of takedowns. Do, do we really need to be talking about James Toback? It's a new year. <laughs> Let us turn the page. I'm just saying, Ronan Farrow, get on Pepe Le Pew because Ronan it's all Farrow, there. go on Chapo and or Blank Check. Do people want him to go on Chapo? No, but I think it's just like a Twitter joke. People, you know, yeah, blank, go on Chapo. Yeah, yeah, people say it to me too, and I say, yeah. fuck Chapo. That's, That's right, 2018, you're the feud yeah. with Chapo Trap House. Yeah, let's, I don't really know what you are. But we're feuding. Let's hold on, hold it. on. Let's do like a character. Uh, all right, I'll do. Uh, I'll do my like Secretary of Defense impression. This is my Rex. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I, uh, 
and this is my character's name. It's unprofessional Liam. Uh, <laughs> sir, here's a box of Wait, poop. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> keep unprofessional Liam because he's going to be good for okay, ads. Okay, good, good, good. He's we'll going to be an ad character. Unprofessional he's Liam. Gonna he's no Dan Candyman, but sometimes we got to put Dan Candyman on the bench. Got to mix yeah. it up. Uh, oh, because we're recording this month's advance. Let's just it, like I'm gonna oh. call a shot right now. Yeah, on, on the, the record, record, Dan Candyman is taking over the world. Humongous. Dan Candyman fever. I mean, Dan Candyman Happy Meals. Yes. Dan Candyman movie. Sunday morning uh, cartoon show. Yes. Yeah, he's got a late show too. Yes, they bought the chairs. Several Funko Pops. They have a variant for up. each different type of flower. <laughs> Uh, we're recording this two days after Dan Candyman. After the first one. Uh, after yeah. this is post. Post Dan Candy. Post Candyman. Now pre Candyman. When hype. Spielberg gets this script, it's pre Candyman. He's living in. Now it's post Clive Barker's Candyman. Correct. But it's pre, you know, it's Griffin Newman's pre Dan Candyman. Candyman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, they should remake Candyman with, <laughs> with Dan you. Candyman. With you? Not with me. With they Dan Candyman. I'm not Dan Candyman. Is Dan Candyman black? I, I, you saw him. I wasn't in the room. Yeah, I think you were. Oh, in the canonically, room. Yeah, I wasn't. Canonically, in the room. you're just quiet. <laughs> All right. God, the Dan Candyman mythos is already getting complicated. It's really, really okay, naughty. Wait, this is the thing I wanted to say. Uh-huh. When when Spielie did Tintin, which is also a mocap movie. Sure, sure, sure. He was working on it for a very long time. And he takes, similarly takes went and kind of quickly did War Horse. Picked yeah, just, War just Horse up that quickly. One out. Not as fast as this, but said, that movie is kind of on rails. I can come in. I can direct right. from like yeah. Skype or whatever because I'm just watching the desk. I already shot the stuff. I got the performances I want. It's just finessing. Ready Player One, a lot of mocap, that similar kind of state. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be first position helping Warner Brothers make this movie. Here's the thing. In his Q&A, he was a little rueful where he's like, he's like, I know I was a bad boy. You know I what I mean? Because he was like, I'm working on this this movie where I have to finish the effects. And Warner Brothers, who are very nice, yes. let me make another movie in right. the meantime. He he read a script by this woman, Liz Hanna. Liz Hanna. Spec script. I a think she's 32 script. years old. He, called, he said she was 31 years 31. old. 31. Jeez. Yeah. She, uh, I believe she was like a writer's assistant before this. She has like one credit on an episode of of a TV show called Guidance that I have never heard of. Okay. And like, that's it. Yeah, she had been a writer's, Yeah, I mean, a pre-production intern, a production intern, right. and like, I mean, reign over me. Yeah. Which, hey, let's be, let's be honest, is top 15 Sandler. 100%. But she writes a spec script inspired by the story of uh, Washington Post, uh, their decision to publish the Pentagon Papers. Uh-huh. And Spiely reads it, and he goes, not only do I want to make this, not only do I think I have the time to make this now, but I think this right. is a movie March, that needs to be made right now. Yes, yeah, Spielberg, who at age, how old is he now? 74. He is 70. Oh, come on. I need to be, just give me the age. Give me the fucking age. I'm He's, guessing 74. I'm guessing Spielberg's 74. I'm usually pretty good with the ages. 70. You're off. He's only 70. City miles. <laughs> exactly. Uh, at age 70, I feel like Spielberg's still like, you know what? If I released a fucking movie about press freedom, and this is in March. Yeah. So he's already seeing where things are going. Yes. You know, we're like basically two months into Trump. Right. If I make a movie about like press freedom, standing up to the White House, and it comes out in December, it'll probably be a big hit. Like, yeah. It'll, that'll probably be like right on the money. Yes. And, and women fighting against the glass ceiling. And women who, right, in positions of power who are ignored by the men right. around and, them. And, and everything that jumped out to him in terms of topicality with the script has just bloomed and exploded. He, he, he was on the he was on the money. Since then. So he gets Josh Singer, uh-huh. Academy Award winner mm-hmm. for writing Spotlight mm-hmm. uh to polish the script. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I assume he just fucking texted Meryl and yeah. Tom, right? He goes I mean, and says about Fox. I mean they said that they first read the script in 
May and Meryl literally was like, yeah, I read it in May. I shot for six weeks. Yeah. And uh, here I am. Like, right. You know, they were shooting at the same time we were shooting the tick. Yeah. You guys overlap. No, but I remember the drivers being like, I'm on this fucking job. I want to be working with Tom. Nicest guy in the fucking business. Hey, there you go. He'll tip you every fucking ride. And I was like, okay, well, come on. I'm not making Tom Hanks money. Don't. Don't shame yeah, me that's, for not. That's kind of a, that, that's a little hint, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's yeah, what it Tom. felt like. Greases the palms. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, but I'm getting taxed really hard here. <laughs> he always has a Christmas turkey under each yeah. arm. Yeah, they say it was great. They said, that guy fucking loves being Tom Hanks. They, well. Which I thought was a great description. That is a good description. And he does seem to love being Tom Hanks. He loves being Tom Hanks. He also loves typewriters. Oh, guy, guy loves typewriters. And talking about pomegranate juice. Well, let's get to that. Okay, because that that's, was, that's like half an hour of this whole episode. It's right. going to be that. So we'll get to that. Um, But yes, he, he gets two of the most acclaimed uh, famous actors alive. Correct. Uh, signs him up, puts together a fucking stack supporting cast, rife with GGs. Griff's guys. Oh, okay. Yes. No, it's a real dad movie. Yes. And Meryl Streep is queen dad. Yes. But it's just a movie of dads. Dad, yes. dad central. And I think Tom Hanks is peak mom. I think moms don't like a movie star more than Tom Hanks. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing some story about someone going to see a movie with their mom and the Larry Crown trailer came up. And the mom turned and said, oh, he just gets better with age. And I just love the idea of seeing the Larry Crown trailer and being like, oh, my fucking God, Tom Hanks. Oh, Mulaney had start your engines. Mulaney had an old joke about uh, Larry Crown where he's like, the director's commentary is just my mother like throughout going, oh, that's nice. <laughs> uh, I did go to the Larry bathroom Crown. between when the movie ended, when the Q&A started. Oh, yeah, And I did. came back, I mean, rabid, manic. Sure. And said, David, I just saw Tom Hanks. Oh, right, because they hadn't emerged for the Q&A no, yet. Yeah, no, the they, minute the credits rolled, you ran out of there. I, I had come to pee, back but in. I wanted to hear the Q&A. He was being escorted through the, the main sort of uh, lobby area. Yeah, by Ann Roth, of course. By Ann Roth. Who is Lord High no. Executioner of the no, AMC Lincoln Square. No jokes. By an AMC employee in a Jumanji shirt. <laughs> welcome to the jungle, motherfuckers. He, welcome to the jungle, by the yes. way, Tom Hanks. And Tom Hanks was uh, drinking a... Pomegranate uh, juice? A slushy. Oh, blue, green, It yellow? looks blue, but it was fast. He was moving fast. Okay. Uh, but he looked phenomenal. I came back and I just said, guys, he looks so oh, yeah. good. He looked good. He had nice black jeans. He looked great. Yeah. He had a really great sweater. Everyone looked great. Collared shirt tucked in, no tie. A collar fully tucked into the sweater. Yeah. Meryl had this very nice looking outfit. I mean, yeah. you know, they're far away. Like, you know, they're all sitting on stage. Meryl's glasses game, she crushes. Incredible. Spielberg had his usual like six scarves and two flat caps. <laughs> right, right. right. The, know, uh, like... the old film Twitter <laughs> meme about wearing everything your wife bought you for Christmas at once. <laughs> right. Spielie, I love him. Um, uh, Amy the, Pascal wasn't there. She was in LA. Yeah. She uh, it. They got this movie up on rails really, really fast and yep. posted it really fast. Apparently, John Williams finished writing the score like six days ago. Yeah, like yesterday. Practically. And they like threw the score on and did. We went to the first screening. There were and two by, screenings. By, by the way, finished writing the score. You mean fell asleep on his keyboard? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's okay. a weird section of the movie where for 20 minutes it's just. Uh, <laughs> And then it's he accidentally hits the demo button and yes. Venus starts playing. <laughs> that was the demo on my keyboard. Um, your Venus, that that. He yeah, he probably just gets a perfunctory nomination for this, right? They always nominate him. You know, they used to, but they kind of stopped. Have they, have they dropped off? Yeah, so I feel like he won't. I mean, it's also 
I don't even think it's a terrible score. I should listen to it again. But it's, it's, it's very, a very muted score, yes. and like for a lot of the movie, there is no music. You know, Correct. a lot of the movies very, very uh, light on the music. So now we we had seen a trailer for this movie. It came out fairly recently. Yeah, I mean, this movie was under lock and key because like yeah. the, we saw probably saw the trailer for like a week before we saw the movie. Like, I think that's maybe correct. a week and a half. Like yeah. So and the blankies took to Reddit and said, oh, it "Looks kind of uh, perfunctory, this and that." But like my argument was fucking Bridge of Spies, like same thing. I saw that trailer. Yeah. I went, this looks like fucking homework. The and I sat there. I faced the bridge, and the bridge standing fucking man. ruled me. Yeah. Standing man. Standing man. Would it help? <laughs> uh, Johnny Williams he did get the Force Awakens Oscar on but that was good that's a good score because I slammed that score in our first Force Awakens episode I, I know I was wrong as shit Ooh. I think that, that's from some fucking strong I themes mean, in that one he did get nominated for the book thief in 2013 but that's what I'm saying that's like, a Williams that kind of but shit. that's four years ago so you know okay. you know I mean but like that was pretty, sure. pretty that was something um, the book thief but, but I was going like okay they probably made it look like a really kind of boilerplate dad movie. And instead it's going to be like a very rousing Bridge of Spies dad movie. But this movie was very different than what I expected to be cinematically. Yeah. Because cinematically, this movie is closer to, like in terms of his technical style, Sure, I would argue it's closer to Munich than anything else he's done. It's certainly in look. And he's sort of emulating the 70s political thrillers. It's It's very, like very handheld, which Spielberg movies rarely are. It's sort of long handheld shots with a lot of urgency. Mm-hmm. It's like a very fast moving camera. Like there are these sequences where they're going around the newsroom and it feels like they like someone's got a fucking workout. You're right. Camera it's not, in this it's not quite as stately as no. uh, say Bridge of Spies or Lincoln. But it has it's also the not same. like Danny Boyle flashy where he's no, like showing you the shot Anthony inside Dodd the camel pack, with right. like a fucking camera on his backpack like running around. But it is it's a very urgent movie. Yeah. And it's a very like vital movie. It's not short. stodgy at all. It's short, it's snappy. It is pretty snappy. I would say not stodgy, but it no, it has a sort of a careful approach in its first half hour where it's kind of like a lot of scenes of like K Graham at a party, yes. or you know Bradley having lunch with her. It's you also know, you know, a little, it's very uh, muted emotionally. It's not a big outburst movie. It's about yeah, people but, doing their jobs. Oh, oh, but then when the outbursts come, well, oh. and there's a moment in this that we will get to that I think is one of the most intelligent underplayings of a scene I have ever seen. Uh, for sure, it's it's like stunning. I we were like aghast. It led to applause in the audience because it was just like, oh, how do you have the confidence? to so deftly play against all the natural inclinations yeah. of making this into an Oscar moment. Which this movie, uh, like, avoids all the big rousing, like, Oscar catharsis, monologue, triumph. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a movie about people, like, doing the work. Just, like, that, and that's why it does, it's a process movie, it's much a process like Bridge of Spies and uh, Lincoln. And, and Spotlight, and, you know, uh, which is the thing this is going to get compared to a lot. But, right, uh, it's a good movie. But Spotlight even has the big fucking Ruffalo monologue, which for me is the moment that movie swings too big. I think that mo- mo- monologue is fine, but I get why people don't like it. Yeah. I just know so many journalists who behave that way, so it, 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 just, sure. it always rang really true for sure. me. <laughs> like, journalists think they're that important. Like, mm. and sometimes they are, you know, yeah. but anyway, uh, but yes, people don't like that scene. That's like the, is that my daughter in their scene of uh, spotlight? Right. Yeah. They knew. Yes. Sorry. But it's interesting. Cause like, okay, we're recording this at the end of November. Ben's getting <laughs> ordered some seamless. <laughs> I gotta get lunch. All okay. right. Okay. I look over to see how much I blew the mics out. He's fucking getting a poke bowl or something. Are you getting a poke bowl? Think about it. 
Maybe ramen. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Who fucking knows? Um, anyway, so this movie's about a ramen chef uh, yeah. <laughs> played by Tom Hanks. Yes. That would be cool. Spielberg. You know about like profession, a ramen, a ramen, dramedy, a ramedy. Ooh, that's a new genre. <laughs> a rom drum. You know, because you know, you why gotta are we the, so insane? I have no idea. You gotta what the get the right on? kind of broth. You know, like it's yeah. he breaking the broth. Me to say that. Hey, hey. He's, Ben is ben just forcibly shoving. He David. shoved hey. me to tell me that you've got to get the right kind of broth. <laughs> Which wasn't something I was really going to dispute. We recorded an episode <laughs> late last night and we were totally fine. We were really locked in. We had guests yes. who we didn't know very well. So I think we were trying to be like professional. But we and hit like it off good. with them we and I think off. it was a really good episode. They slotted right in. That's coming. You'll hear that in a few weeks. But yeah. um, uh, and then today we're just like Maniacs. the pose. <laughs> <laughs> and this film could legitimately threaten like certainly feels like a film that could win uh, best picture like this you know this feels like one of the big movies of 2017 you were hotter on this movie than I was you came out with a capital G great yeah definitely I said it's very good yeah. and you went come on and I said I think it's very I good I was like Griffin yeah you did you said Griffin and a lot of our friends Ehrlich Hoffman were yeah. like that's capital G great mm-hmm. so I, I was a little more muted on it I think Ben you were closer to me we were both like Really good, solid flick. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. But, but I mean, here's the thing. Like, we're recording this now at the end of November. Right. The movie it's doesn't only been come a couple out days, sure. in a limited release Wait, until... are we recording this at the end of November? We're recording oh this at the end of November. He's a fucking troll over here. Are you going to push me about broth again? <laughs> Gotta get a good go broth. Go on, Chapo. Bone broth, baby. <laughs> ben, go on, Bob, for ramen, uh, whatever. I don't care. Nope, come on. Ramo it. Trap House. <laughs> um... Fuck. By the way, we should mention. I swore that, we'd never reference Chapo Trap House on this fucking podcast. But let's, Go ahead. Let's let's tr- flip our cards over. That's the podcast we've been feuding with. I know we made these allusions <laughs> to the podcast. Yeah, that we're I guess we yeah, 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 yeah. It definitely yeah. began with a C. Anyway, yeah. Chapo Trap House has been stealing our bits. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's why they did that whole Catherine Bigelow miniseries right after the Nolan miniseries, right after the Spielberg. Miniseries. All right, go on, go on. What were you going to say about your? Have you? Do you feel any different? Or this oh, well, movie's not okay. coming out for a month. I want to state something that I haven't said yet in this podcast. We're recording this at the end of November. <laughs> ben seems to be closing in on a chicken bowl. <laughs> Congratulations, Ben. Thank uh-huh. you. Thank you so much. Um, this movie doesn't even come out limited release until a the, month from now. Until the 22nd, I believe. Right. Yes. And it's going to go wide after we come out. I think it's going wide on like January 12th. Right. Like the second like week that. of January. Yeah. And then the Oscar nominations will come out uh, around then. It's the end of January, I would imagine. Right. Maybe first week of Feb because it's the Oscars are first week of March. I think usually in the January 20s, the early 20s. You know, we got the uh, Olympics. Oscars are usually now end of February. Oh, no, because the Olympics, the Olympics is going to be March now. First week of March. So yeah. then maybe the nominations will be early Feb this yeah. year. But the point is, we're recording this uh, with no context as to how this movie is going to play. But also, this is a movie whose power could be greatly affected by the events of the world. Sure. You know, you're saying like really, even within that window. Yeah, within that window. Yeah, there could be seismic shifts in the relationship between the press. Let's hope and our administration. <laughs> yeah, let's hope. I'm kidding. I you know, know? but it's like if things get better, this movie could gain power. If things get worse, this movie could gain power. You know, we're at a point where like either direction the pendulum swim swings mm-hmm. in terms of the relationship between journalism, you know, and uh, our government. Mm-hmm. is going to only uh, strengthen this film. And I think we are at a point, as we were saying, I mean, we were, ma- we were making the joke facetiously, but like people say like, well, newspapers don't really have any power anymore, blogs, this or that. 
But you look at it and it's like all these guys are only actually getting outed when the New York Times writes about them. It doesn't matter if these stories have existed in the ether for a long time. Like the last couple of months have really proven how much power certain outlets still have in terms of like lending an air of legitimacy to a story. Yeah. Which is what this movie is about. What it means if this paper puts their name and their weight behind publishing right. these papers. Uh, with literally a threat of imprisonment sort of like dangling over their heads from the White House. Right. Now, it also is in a time period where the internet doesn't exist. Sure. And if papers don't publish, there's no way these things are going to get out. They're not going to leak. They're not going to wiki leak. That's true. You they know? don't have Twitter. Right. Yet. Yet. But they're they're the only guard in between, sure. you know, the powers that be Bulwark, and the people. might call them. Yes. Um, so this movie starts in now. It does. Fucking CCR starts playing. Yeah. And I was like. <laughs> I got a little worried from the get <laughs> Yeah, I know. At least it wasn't Fortunate Son. I forget what I song it is. But still, it's I was the, like. Man, I a man, a man, a man, a man, a man, a man. What's that song called? Uh, it's called Matthew Reese Paints His Face. Yes. <laughs> but you hear like helicopters. Sure. It's just. And you're just like, oh, fuck. Is he whiffing on this? <laughs> a little bit. A little like bit. Immediately. For a the- second, you're like, yes. fuck. But then you remember. It's Steven Spielberg. Every movie he makes has too much paprika right at the beginning and right at the end. Yes, correct. Yeah. It's right. like he spills all the paprika and then he like wipes it away really fast. Steve's weird because he only puts paprika on the bread of the sandwich. <laughs> yeah, on the outsides. Yes. <laughs> it's a little dip. And yeah, so like if you looked at the top of the sandwich, you'd be like, fuck, this is going to be a nightmare. And then you right. get in and the meat is perfectly seasoned. Mm. Delicious vegetables, farm great, fresh. Great pastrami and yes. vegetables. Yes. <laughs> the classic sandwich. Yes. A nice, <laughs> a nice slice of Gruyere. Uh, so, yeah, you got Nam, you got Ellsberg, Danny Ellsberg, mm-hmm. uh, our bud, Daniel Play, Ellsberg. Played by a very haunted looking Matthew Reese. He's fucking excels at haunted. Mm-hmm. Matthew Reese is king of haunted. Yes. Which is funny because he's obviously like in real life this uh, happy-go-lucky Welsh guy right. who has a whole show on British TV about drinking wine with Matthew Good where they like... Does he really? Yes. Oh, you don't know about this? Oh. Oh, my friend, you are in for a treat. Is it called A Good Wine? Uh, It's called, I believe, uh, fuck. Uh, it's just called The Wine Show. It should be called Good Wine yeah. with an E. That would be good. Yeah. It should be... The, the show should be they have to pair wine with Reese's products. Here's a picture of them drinking some wine. I mean, that looks lovely. Yes. It's oh, fucking he's lovely. sniffing the glass. He's sniffing. Like a pro. You gotta, you gotta sniff. sniff. You gotta sniff. You gotta get that nose going. Yes. You know? uh, he's got he's got a resting haunted face. Uh, yes, he does. And when he did the Q&A afterwards, he speaks his Welsh accent. There's something like so... He, he, like The Welsh accent, it's not to stereotype, it's very sing-songy. Very I melodic, say. I yes, was going to yes, say. Yes, yes, yes. But like he has this, like his American accent, which is impeccable. It is. Also, you never know. is yeah. like very grave. Like the way he speaks an American <laughs> accent. It's something, you know, his hair is like, his hairline is slightly receded. He's got so a he, fascinating hairline. He's got this he's got big deep forehead. Yes. He's got these sort of sunken eyes. And yeah, so he always just kind of looks like even in fucking like... yeah. What's like a kids movie he was in that I saw? Like I don't know. He just always he looks. He was in a kids movie. I could have sworn he was in some kids movie. Is it Mr. Popper's Penguin. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's, that's what it was. This fucker in Mr. Popper's Penguin. Oh fuck! What was it? Oh no, no. You know what? It what? was a British TV miniseries that aired on Annie in America. Yeah. Uh, based on the Arthur Conan Doyle novel, The Lost World. Okay. Starring. We love him. We respect him. He's our president, Mr. Bob Hoskins. Uh, yeah. 
There you R. go. R.I.P. Yep. Uh, do you know? Do you know that Noah Baumbach was supposed to write and direct Mr. Popper's Penguins? Uh, no. He was formally announced. He was like, "I finally want to make a movie my kids can see." Uh huh. And then they were like, "What the fuck is this script?" <laughs> yeah. What? What? I can't imagine what he submitted because I mean, Stiller was supposed to do the, it. The, Stiller signed the on. Children's book, I assume, is is pretty light on detail, so he yes. can kind of go wherever he wanted with it, right? Apparently, his movie is mostly about sports management. <laughs> That sounds terrible. Yeah, but Stiller was supposed to do it, and Stiller you know, it's was this like, thing. I, I, I want, make fun I of Baumbach for every like he just announced his new movie. It's like ScarJo yeah. and Ben Stiller, maybe or Adam Driver's sure. in it, and like the plot synopsis is like a family struggles with a divorce. Yeah, and it's like great, fine. That's what you should yeah, do. That's what you do. Movies about divorce. Yeah. That is what you do. Right. It it doesn't track as well when a man is divorcing a penguin, <laughs> let alone many penguins, and fighting over like the you know house in Poughkeepsie or whatever. Yes. Uh, All right. Anyway, so we start out in um, Haunted Matthew Reese. 33 minutes in. Jesus we Christ. are one minute into the movie. Yeah. We we have like an hour until we're All literally right, so getting pushed out of this studio. We have process from the get-go because mm-hmm. we have this sort of scene of uh, Ellsberg conducting, helping conduct this study yes. for the Rand Corporation mm-hmm. in Vietnam. He reports to Bob McNamara, who was the secretary of uh the fucking defense at the time played, played by, by a delicious Bruce Greenwood. A plus Bruce Greenwood, who is soon going to play every single member of the Kennedy cabinet because he already yeah. fucking played Kennedy. Like he's, he's got it. He's played both. I think JFK he's played Bobby and Bobby. I think, I think he's played Bobby and Kennedy. I think he played JFK in something. He played, he played JFK in Thirteen Days. Right. I think he played Bobby in something. Like he's got that patrician look. Yes. Uh, let me see. I'm talk, just gonna talk about a guy who, by the way, is aging well. Like Bruce Greenwood at 61 has never looked better. Like you can imagine, like 25 year old Bruce Greenwood is like, oh, all these heartthrobs better looking than me. I'm never gonna get the leading man parts. And like Bruce Greenwood has become like a surprise sex symbol. I uh, sure he's aged better than most actors of his generation. I guess now he's only ever played uh, John F. Jack Kennedy, but uh, you know he should he should play Bobby Kennedy. He's getting old, so I guess oh, right. it's and hard. He, and he was the president in uh, Kingsman, the movie we talk about every episode, Kingsman, I, the Golden Circle. Exactly. I'd love to see him play uh, C. Douglas Dillon, the Secretary of the Treasury. Sure, Halderman? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. that's Nixon. But yes. Okay, uh, I'll go right, right, right. All right. Yeah. Anyway, we see him. He summons Ellsberg. Sure. And he's like, what's this? Come on, give it to me straight. Yeah. How's it going in Vietnam? And he's like, ah. No, it's a, I think he has a great line where he sort of stands there and, you know, you can tell like a lot rests on what he says. Yeah. And he's like, what surprises me is how much it stayed the same. Yes, that's the thing. Right. He's on the and plane McNamara, and they're trying to settle an argument. Right. It was like, it's worse. Is it better? And he's like, really? It's the same. And McNamara is like, see, what am I fucking telling right. you? Same is worse. Right. You know, we're pouring troops in. It's no different. Right. I forgot about that scene. That's a really good scene. I think it's a, uh, yeah. And then, yeah, exactly. I think it's a great scene because it's also laying out this little sort of like D plot. Which is like the bur- the guilt, the burden of right. guilt that McNamara held for the rest of his but life. This movie's moving like a bullet train. Like we're maybe like two and a half minutes into sure. it. Sure. Yeah. And by minute four, they're like photocopying the papers. Yeah. He then, so right, then Crisis of Confidence, Conscience, or yeah. uh, Ellsberg has photocopies the Pentagon report, takes it out, sneaks it out. They cut off the top secret. Hey. They photocopy it. But like this is like, He's he's shooting this stuff the same way he's shooting the Vietnam stuff at the beginning. Sure. Like, this movie is just very forceful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, really, really elegant, unshowy, but, like, every moment's fucking cinematic. There are some of the most cinematic, like, the, the scene that's closest to an action sequence in this movie is is Bob Odenkirk struggling to find the loose change to make a 
phone call no, on no, a payphone. The he, change is on the payphone. Yeah. And he like knocks it all off. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And he shoots it like it's the fucking parallax. View I know. Or he's like right. practically on like a swivel. Right. Oh, it's so good. Um. Okay. So so we're like yes. All right. Fine. So cut to mm-hmm. K. Graham, Meryl Streep, mm-hmm. and Catherine Graham, publisher of the Washington Post. Uh, They've taken the company public. Heiress to the family. Uh, uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, to, to the, the daughter right. of uh, the Graham Scion, I forget right. his name, who had left the paper to her husband, even though she was, you know, she was Bill Graham's daughter. Well, harumph, harumph, a woman cannot run the right. paper. So he leaves it to her husband. Her husband uh, was this famous sort of Washington player mm-hmm. uh, who uh, killed himself. Uh, and obviously suffer from depression. So she, this is, but that's all in the past. But they're hobnobbers. They're friends with the Kennedys. They're friends with, friends with McNamara. The Johnsons, friends right. with McNamara. So and, she has uh, a, an interesting relationship because she is very close with all the people they're ostensibly supposed to be writing about. Uh, yes, and so, but they're going public to yes. get some solvency for their little paper. Right. The movie even doesn't hit it hard enough how little the post was. It was just like a local it's paper. A local I mean, paper. They, they hit it pretty hard, I guess. Yes. Uh, uh, but Meryl Streep pointed out in the Q and A that yeah. they don't mention it. There were like other Washington papers, right? Like there the were like Star. six other papers. Like and they no were one, no one thinks right. of that anymore. That they were like, but but she's got paper. her buddy Fritz, who's played by the great Tracy Letts. <sighs> He's so good, and she's like got her like bullet points of the speech she right. wants to give. Yes. Oh, because we that's what we see first is her practicing the speech. Yeah. in her office. Yes, that's and saying like, that's is this forceful enough? This and that before they go into the meeting where she's making the case. Right. Or going public and what their asking price, their initial offering is going to be and all that sort of stuff. And they get in there and immediately she's just being dismissed by everyone just by their fucking eyes. You know, no, before I anyone think, says anything. I think he, to, yeah. he, look, he hits the hammer on the head, the hammer, the nail on the head. He also over, hits the hammer. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> over and over. But I love all those shots of her yeah. sort of swamped by men. Yes. Just a uh, sea of old white guys. Yeah, old gray men. And uh, she, because she was, again, this movie doesn't note this, but she was the first ever female CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Crazy. Which is crazy. Yeah. Because uh, this is, we're now in 1971. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and she, right. But I, I love that early scene. And yes. like Meryl said at the Q&A how she read her autobiography. And I think her autobiography is a lot about how timid she was. Mm-hmm. Like, she re- reflects on her own timidity. Right. Like, until later, until, you know, until she'd been at the Post for a few years. Tracy Letts steps up and starts saying her bullet points because he can right. tell that she's too sort of nervous at the moment. Yeah. Uh, helps her out. They they share a kind of kind, warm look. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that this guy is sort of the one guy that has her back in this upper echelon in these boardrooms. But still, he has to do, you know, this sort of assertion for her. Yes. And like, you know, that's, but I, I love the way Meryl plays it where it's like, right, there's not resentment per se, but it is right. sort of like a sad fact, I guess, of how she has to exist in the public space. Right, like, but she's a blue blood and she's all about legitimacy and her whole stance is uh, improve quality, improve profits. Yeah, her whole stance is right. It's good to pour money into good reporting because right. that, that'll boost the papers. Which is a hard sale. Uh, like she's yeah, just saying we have to get as intelligent and respectable right. as possible and that will pay us back but later. They sign off on going public. Begrudgingly. That means the banks have this like window where something crazy happens they can pull out of the deal. Yes. That's that's all laid out there. Cut to Ben Bradley. Right? Like Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. the time span of this movie is about a week. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty tight. I mean, the bulk of the movie takes place over like 12 hours. It's great. Yeah. Because again, like I didn't know anything going in. Obviously, we had seen 
the trailer, but even the trailer's really vague. Yes. And I was like, is this going to be like a Watergate epic type thing where it yeah. like sort of starts with the Pentagon Papers and it goes to the Watergate? Because it's about the Washington Post. Right, right. You know, it could cover years. Yes. Uh, but Spielberg, he loves that narrow window. Yes. He loves, you know, same with Lincoln. Like, let's, no, 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 no. Let's just look at a little bit. And let's say Nixon's a big presence in this movie, but the way he depicts yeah, it's, Nixon it's good. is uh, we get these sort of weird, creepy zoom lens shots. Mm-hmm. That of him in the Very voyeuristic. Office. Right, yeah. Um, that Nixon from behind on. On the phone. On the phone, yeah. in the Oval Office, a guy who's doing a lot of backting, a lot of gesticulating. Uh, yeah, he's doing a lot of uh, pointing to the table. Yes, a lot of finger on the table. But they use it's like a lot like when Ben wants to tell me about broth. Yeah, hey. <laughs> another full force shove from Ben Hosley. Uh, but he's using yes, he's using the Nixon real tapes. Nixon recording. Right, right. Yes. he said he went through all of the Nixon recordings available and found the ones that he thought were most relevant to. I bet the you the film. he like that's why he agreed to do this whole movie. That's yeah. such a dad project yes. where like Spielberg's like let listen to the Nixon yeah. tape. Oh, that's a fun march because you know yeah. he comes up. You know, Spielberg emerges in the Nixon post Nixon era, like mm-hmm. right, right, right around then. Yeah, uh, I'm sure it was very formative to him as a stoned teenager or whatever the fuck he was in 1971. Yes, uh, but uh, he was like 25, I think. Yeah, he was like four years away from making Jaws. He made Jaws when he was like 26. Yeah, right, you know, yeah, it was ridiculous. Right. But he was already like directing like fucking Night Gallery. Yeah, he was already stuff. like yeah. like directing like the final performance of fucking like. It was. Uh, 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 who is it? Uh, 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 what's it? Mommy Dearest. Uh, shit. Joan Crawford. Is that Joan who Crawford. it is? Yeah. He yeah, directed like, a Night like, Gallery episode. It's a Night Gallery. Right, right. That yeah. was her last screen appearance ever. Yeah, and you yeah. see the picture where he's like grasping her hands and like bowing to her and he's like 18. Tom Hanks also noted slightly creepily that he was there on the last day of Kate Graham's life where he was like, yeah, I met her in Idaho and then she died. Yeah, she got in a car and she died six hours later. (laughs) And I was like, okay, Tom, you trying to absolve yourself? So like, I met her and then later I wasn't there. And I was with other people. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Did you serve her dinner as well? Did anyone (laughs) check that? (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. Ben Bradley. Yes. Played by Tom Hanks. Tommy Boy. What'd you do? And it's a line from Tommy Boy. David, at the moment, we see Tom Hanks in sort of like a boys club kind of Room. Uh, yeah, that's his introduction. Some, yeah, no, is, I know. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Smoking yeah, a cigar. His introduction is their their lunch. You know, his lunch with Kate right. Graham. Right. And as Meryl pointed out in the Q and A, we're on a first name basis with Meryl because we saw her do a Q and A. She's Meryl, baby. As Meryl pointed out in the Q and A, she thought that was a really telling scene that she, she has to treat him like a superior, even though she is his. Superior. She's the boss, and she has that, to meet him at his place and his grounds. Yeah, because they're right. Because they're talking about oh, the Nixon, uh, Nick, you know, Richard Nixon's daughter got married at the White House. How are we going to cover this? How are we going to cover this? They banned this uh, reporter you have who is kind of uh, mean about the Nixons, so right. that's why it's happening. She's sort of like gently trying to be like, it's the style section. Couldn't we get someone else? And eventually, he's like, don't put your finger in my eye, Kate. You know, he like yeah. he sort of shuts her down with this like kind of snappy line. And rather than push back, she kind of is like, okay, no, I know. You yeah, know, and right, like sort of yeah. like tries to sidetrack her, you know. Uh, at the moment. Such a good scene. Yeah. The shot where we see Tom Hanks sitting at this this table smoking the cigar waiting for Kay to arrive. Yeah. David uh, tapped me on the shoulder and went, that's Tom Hanks. Yeah. Great bit by <laughs> me. That's Chappie. Uh, uh, but but God, I mean, I I've said it before. I'll Love say it. it again. This fits into the Tom Hanks, like my favorite era of Tom Hanks, which is just men who are good at their job. 
Uh, it, yes, for sure. I mean, Ben Bradley is a little more of it's like a different a, variation, yeah, more of a garrulous guy than say your uh, Mr. Bridge of Spies, but uh, still, or right, Sully, right? Because Ben Bradley has more of an ego and he has the reputation like, he wants to maintain. He if wants ben to be Bradley a tough landed a man. plane on the Hudson, right? Like he would be like, check that fucking shit out that I just did. You right. know, he'd be into it, right? He wouldn't be like Sully where check he's like the everyone off log. the plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, but but he is. Birds. He's a guy who it becomes clear is just about the work, even though there's a lot of showboating in his For whole sure. behavioral thing. Well, and also, right. And he has this huge chip on his shoulder because the Post is this inferior product yes. in everyone's eyes to a real paper like the New York Times. Yeah. And soon enough, the Times, because there were some complaints that people were like, the Post, I mean, the Times actually broke the Pentagon Papers. Yes. Is this going to overlook that? But no, the Times are like, that's like where he wants it, right? They're, they're, right. It's like the golden, you know, arches. And the That's Times where he wants to get some McDonald's. Right. The Times. The Times. And they're they're know. McDougals. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, that's the name of the the thing from uh, Coming to America, right? Did I fuck that up? McDowell's. That's what it is. is God it? damn it. Yeah, yeah. It's McDowell's. I was close. Whatever. Um, yeah. The, but we'll the new, fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. Uh, ben, that's cut it. this whole episode out. Um, the beginning of the movie, New York Times gets a lot of play. Uh, right. And I love, I mean, this is when I was getting, because I was like, Motherfucker. There's a kid they send the, the on a train, ah! which I, he came on screen. I went like, Jesus Christ, how did I not get the fucking audition? Oh shit, part? seriously. But no, there's two kids because there's the first kid in the Times uh-huh. who's passing the real package, right? Yes. And we follow him like yes. through the building, and then there's the second kid, the intern, yes. who Bradley sends up to sneak snoop on the Times. Yes. And I love it when he arrives and he like looks up at the office and, I didn't and get all the news that's been printed. You didn't get either of those no. roles. They're both played by Mel Gibson. <laughs> no, they're both played by Griffin Newman types. Yeah, they are. Let's call it as I, we see it. Look, your quote's too high for that role. Now. High. I yeah. also was filming too much at that time. <laughs> I had negative free time. That's true. Um, but uh, yes, he has them sort of spying on the New York Times trying to figure out uh, what they're gonna do, and there's a moment I love where the kid gets back to the office, and he goes, "I saw the front page because he peeped it in he the elevator." He peeps the front page, and, and he, he draws a picture of what the front page looks like. Right, but there's a blank space where it's just like Neil, where yep. Neil's story is gonna go. Yes, and Brad's like, "Fuck!" Yeah. Like I don't know if he says "fuck," yeah, but he knows he's like they got something amazing. It. Yeah, and we so, get we get a little, we get a little taste of Michael Stahlberg. Stahlberg, fuck, goddamn it, is Abe Rosenthal who was yep. the executive editor at the time? Yeah, um. And uh, and he's friends with K. Graham too. You know they're all buds. Of oh, the times at the time, exactly. Post post. Yes, no but bits. in a pre the post time. Well, pre the movie, the post. Right, they're mid post pre post. But it's the mid film. post the paper. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, let's wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right, good movie. Four and a half stars. Yeah. So we see the competition is spying on him. Like a couple scenes later, he's hobnobbing with K. Graham at at a party. You know. Yeah, totally. They're yeah. friends, but right. but you know. They all think of Kate as like this nice hostess lady. Right. Oh, it's a real shame what happened to her husband. Now right, she's stuck right. with this company. She never asked us. She never, she doesn't know how to do this. And, and yeah. Bradley Whitford is playing Arthur Parsons, who's like sort of her financial advisor type, like a guy on the board. Yeah. Who's sort of like, Kay, I don't think we should be like doing anything. Yeah. Like. Yeah. In a weird turn of events, Steven Spielberg casts Bradley Whitford to be irritable. Kate, what, what, what are you doing here? <laughs> 
I adore Bradley Whiffer, but it's true. That man is like the king of irritable. You once told me that you you think I'm going to age into Bradley Whitford, which mm-hmm. is like kind of my dream career mm-hmm. now. I think you have the hair. I think you have the yeah. face. Yes. Like the sort of body type. I think you're just, you're Bradley Whitford waiting to happen. Bottled irritability. Because like yeah. how old was Bradley Whitford when the West Wing happened? Like... Well, what I'm looking for is my Bradley Whitford and Billy Madison. That's he was what 30. I, okay. He was 30 in the West Wing? Yeah, he looks 38. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I have two years to get to the West Wing? Sorry. Jesus fucking Christ. I just love how he's the hottie in the West Wing, even though Sam Seaborn is, a, Robo, I guess, is the real yeah. hottie. But like, he's 30 in the West Wing? Born in 1959. 69, 79, oh, no. Thank I you. I did the math wrong. He was 40. Yeah, thank you. Okay, there we go. So right. he's like but, 30-something in Billy Madison. Uh, yes, he's like 33 or four. I got five years to get to Bill yeah, Madison. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, this movie has a stacked supporting cast, and I went into it being like, there's got to be some supporting nominee in this film. I don't think so. I don't Odin think so Kirk is the biggest, and even he, I think, is a little too small. Because it's the. It's, a, it's the Merrill show. This is the it's Merrill also, show. In a way, I respect, even Hanks is like, it's yeah. a very unshowy character. No, he's deferring to her. Right. He's everyone, got a voice that he's right. doing, and he swears a little, but like, no. Everyone's just doing really solid work in this movie, but it's not a movie that serves up big Oscar movies. Hers is the art. Yes. And the, everyone else is sort of, right, these like little guys. Right. And and as we've said, the artistry of Meryl Streep's performance in this is that she plays against all the Oscar performance instincts that anyone else would have. She knows what she's doing. She knows what she's doing. I, it would be I, insane for her to win a fourth Oscar, but I don't she, she should have I don't won she her third Oscar for this, not the fucking Iron Lady. Uh, interesting. I hate the Iron Lady. I do too. Um, I, I, I think she won the, the Iron Lady Oscar for how good... Deborah's Prada? No, well, yeah. But also, the... the uh, for Margaret Thatcher, I think is is whatever. I think the the all the older uh, senile dementia stuff is very well done. She's fine in the From movie. From an acting I hate standpoint, the movie. that movie sucks. I, I, there's no way she should have won. She beat Viola Davis. It was like close to like one What's of the, the worst decisions they ever made. Oh, I think she should have won for adaptation. I think that's like She's the unheralded awesome Meryl performance. Yeah, but whatever, whatever. Uh, Who won for that? Catherine Zeta Jones. Yeah, fine. I thought Meryl was going to win that year. I remember I had my chips on Meryl because she won the Globe. She did. Catherine Zeta Jones won. Catherine Zeta Jones won. Whatever. Uh, anyway, uh, movie keeps on trucking. Yeah, trucks away. Right. Um, oh, oh, early on, early on, because they had announced the cast and both David Cross and Bob Odenkirk were in it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if fucking Spieley has Bob and David and he doesn't put them in the same scene, I'm going to like flip my lid. And then early in the movie, like the first time we go to the office of the post, you hear Cross's voice. It's, an, it's a distinctive voice. Right. And so hurried sort of like. Yeah, he's yelling at Charlie. Handheld Nee-ish shot going thing. through the office. <laughs> Sorry. Right. And it was ironic. Yeah. They didn't get it. He was doing a bit. Sorry. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, <laughs> okay. Bob Odenkirk. Sorry. Uh, David Cross with uh, uh, a really good comb over wig. Great. He, he looks amazing. Yeah. I think he's wearing a fake nose. You're telling me that's his real nose, in which case. What happened? Baby? I think that's the aging process, baby. It's that monologue. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to get old. Wahlberg gives in the happening. Remember where he's talking to the kid who's so good looking and he goes, but the thing is, when you get older, every year your nose and your ears get better. I think about that monologue a lot. Okay. He's like, so if you have perfect features at 17, you're going to be worse off at 24 than someone who hasn't grown to their face yet. Right. Odenkirk's got uh, fucking cross as a big nose, but Odenkirk walks into an office. Uh, why am I fucking doing this? Cross walks into an office right next to Odenkirk, and we get a two-shot of the two of them. 
And Ben and I high fived, and I was really happy. Right, Odenkirk crosses cross to get into <laughs> get into a post office pre post pre post. Yeah. yeah. There's a cross cross. Uh, there's a cross cross. But not a double cross. A single cross by no, cross. But what we do learn is that the Times has the fucking Pentagon Papers. Okay, let's right. move it along. Uh, so they have the Pentagon Papers and Bradley's mad about it. Yes. So so he wants There you go. He's sniffing. He's he, sniffing. He's got nothing. He goes to Kay, though. Yes. Let's her know his intent. He lets her know his intent, but he's also like, you're friends with Bob McNamara. Yeah. He commissioned this study. Number one. Like they're, you know, I feel like both he and Kay throughout this movie are kind of wrestling with like, you know, we're the press, like we're the fourth estate, like we're supposed to be the people who sort of examine the shit that's happening. Uh Like this Vietnam War has been going on for 10 plus years. Yeah. And with no sign of progress. Sure. And like, what, what, what have we been doing? Like not calling these people who we're close to out on this. You know, what have we been doing being so cozy with them? And he's saying to her, like, Bob McNamara is fucking embarrassed right now. And you got to call him out. And she's like, well, I would never. You, you Bob's know, a he's friend. a friend. Yeah. Uh, but they're both wrestling with the same thing and maybe in different ways. Mm-hmm. But he's also saying, like, hey, does Bob have the Pentagon Papers you can give me? Yes. Uh, where's, where's the movie going next after this? Well, it basically, yeah. like, it picks up the, I mean, Odin Kirk's character, who is, um, oh, right. Uh, Paul uh, Bedakian or Bedakian, yep. I forget how you say his name. Very famous journalist. You know, right. He starts, he, he knows a guy who yeah, he thinks might have leaked it. He has an idea like Ellsberg, yeah. this guy at the Rand Corporation who he worked with who was always a bit of long hair. Yeah. You know, a bit of a hippie. Yes. So he, he starts sniffing at that. And uh, I guess, meanwhile, yeah, you just sort of have Bradley and Kay Graham going at it, right? Like, Right, but then we also have, we have a hippie girl played by Sasha Spielberg. I mean, what a name. What a performance. I don't know. Uh, yeah, she drops a box off on... Um, Michael Cyril Crichton. Michael Cyril Crichton's One of my Crichton's favorite get, fucking... Uh, desk. And I, I was like, oh, he's going to be in this story. He's yeah. going to be in this movie. And instead, it's like his whole job is he delivers the box to Bradley. Right. First, he comes in the front door and Bradley's like, now. Yeah. N- now. He goes yeah, around to the managing right, editor. Because he kind of meekly goes like, sure, I have something you might want to see. And Bradley's <laughs> yeah. like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Right. And it's one continuous camera move. It's very fun. Uh, following him where he goes to the other office and right. tells him and he has to go in and then Bradley listens. Yeah. It's a it's a good it's a good moment. It is. Um, but yeah, the, the, so here they are getting the Pentagon Papers too, but not enough. And then right now, they're guess, like, "Where do you get these?" And he's like, "Some girl." Yes, and it's like, I'm what do you mean? It's like, left on on my desk. Yeah. And but then the important thing is, like, uh, the, the the Nixon, you know, the Justice Department sues the Times, yes. and enjoins them from releasing this shit. Mm-hmm. No more Pentagon paper stories. Yes, or else you'll be in contempt of court. Right. So that's looming now too. Right. So they start getting their legal team in. Right. Well, no, 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 no. That no. comes in later. At, okay. this, at this point is when Odenkirk gets the papers. Yes. He meets with Ellsberg in the hotel room. There's that great Spielberg face shot of him looking at the papers. And then yeah. you cut to the bed sort of strewn with these like piles. There's also, I, I was saying, he shoots a lot of this movie like a 70s political thriller. But there are sequences, I think, that mostly come into moments of great sort of moral conflict for people. Mm-hmm. There's another sequence where Merrill's on the phone trying to make a big decision. Sure. This moment with Odenkirk in the hotel room trying to decide what to do. Where suddenly the film gets like very like like German expressionist, like it starts looking like Night of the Hunter. Yeah, yeah. Like he yeah, has yeah. the Spielberg, but he starts doing Big crazy shadows, shadows yeah. on the walls and these crazy angles. And like, you're right, because like in that scene, that's when Ellsberg is saying to the Odenkirk character, right. like, 
well, because Odin was like, we could go to jail. And he's like, well, right. isn't that the point? Like, you go to jail to stop the Vietnam War, right? And right. he's like, yeah, in theory, like, like, in principle, sure. But these scenes that are, you know, like, I mean, I, people always say, like, the real test of a great filmmaker is how you shoot two people in a room talking. Uh-huh. Like, anyone can shoot the fancy stuff and the exciting stuff and make it exciting. Mm-hmm. But if you know how to make that stuff cinematic with uh, not a, an abundance of style or flash for the sake of style or flash, you know? Right, right. But, like, he finds these moments that are just, like, people in a room having pretty low-energy conversations. Right. But finds a way to shoot it so you get the sense of the looming threat of, like, this is a decision that's going to define the rest of my life. Yeah. What I say in the next two minutes could change the state of this country, could change whether or not I, I spend the rest of my life as a free man. Right. In jail. Right. Right. Um, so yes, that hotel room scene is really good. Odenkirk's so fucking good in this. It's just so he's exciting great. to see Odenkirk. It is. Be fourth build in a fucking Spielberg I know, movie. and he's terrific. And yes. yeah, and then yeah, he there's the scene of him riding on the plane with the the boxes all yes. seatbelted right. to the plane. Struggling to seatbelt it. It's pretty cute. He just, I've long contended he's my, I, I think he's the greatest actor in the history of sketch comedy. I think he always played sketch he's comedy like actor. it was a fucking Eugene O'Neill play. Yeah. And for so long, Cross was working a lot, and Odenkirk was trying to direct, and he wasn't really working, and he didn't get as much respect. Yeah, and he made, he directed those like weird movies, like The Brothers Solomon. Yeah, right. yeah, where you're like, what the fuck are you right. doing? And man? I'm like so fucking here for this revival of Bob Odenkirk as like a legitimate actor, getting yeah, this level of respect, and nominations, I mean, you know, and everything. He's, he's the fucking best. Brian Cranston. It's the same fucking path. I yes. just hope he doesn't do a bunch of boring as bad movies. Yeah, and gives shit performances in Trumbo. <laughs> He's he's back. The Trumbo fan is logged on. Trumbo. I'm trying to type in my bathtub. <laughs> Great line from Trumbo. Yes. Uh, did you see Last Flag Flying? I have not yet. So that movie, in that movie, Steve Carell plays a sentient wet blanket. <laughs> <laughs> and Lawrence Fishburne, who's good. Both of them, are, I think, are pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Like plays like a guy who's like, well, I'm a pastor now and I'm a good family man. And, you know, someone goes like, eh, and he's like, hey, fuck you. You know, like yeah. he's all bottled up, right? Brian Cranston is playing the Jack Nicholson character. Right. It's one of, I think, an inc- I think it's an incredibly embarrassing performance. Even from the trailer, it looked embarrassing it's, to me. It's, you're just like, what movie do you think you're in? One, because this is a muted AF. Yes. Damn, this is a low-key movie. Sure. And I, I guess he's thinking like, well, I'm the energy, but like, it's all wrong. It's terrible. Yeah. Uh, Linkletter tried to make that movie right after School of Rock when he had some heat. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Nicholson. With Nicholson and Quaid and uh, right. Otis. Right, a, a pre-Star Whackers off-the-grid Quaid. And Otis Young had died at that point, but he was going to have Morgan Freeman play the part. Yeah. And I just, like, fucking wish he had made that movie. Like, maybe it wouldn't have been better than this film. Right. Maybe this book just has less juice to it than Last yeah, Detail I think it does. does. But no, but I there think— There would have been power from having the three guys. But if it was guys, a real but, sequel to The Last right. Detail, it would make more sense because yes. instead it's not— so they're alluding to events that are not quite like the last detail from their past. Yes, right. And you're kind of trying to figure out what it, you're like, right. It's not the last detail, but they're like, it was crazy what we got up to. And I'm like, what did you get up to? And also, they don't tell you. Like Carell and Cranston are like pretty much the same age. Yeah, sure. In, yeah, yeah, unless yeah. it's tell the generational shift between like Quaid's like a kid in that, you know? And that's kind of how they're playing it in this movie too, is that Carell is the younger person. Right. It's, it's fucking... I but, like, Cranston's too old. It's, it's too young to be playing that character. No, I know. Yeah. Carell is just a good actor who... But he just... He gets so stuck in his ruts, like, when he's doing yes. stuff. Like, like and same with Battle of the Sexes, where it's, like, he has one mode for that character. I think he's kind of solid in that movie. I just think that movie should be less focused on him. Mm. I think that performance would work best if it were sidelined a little more. 
Okay. All right. I think that movie should be a Billie Jean biopic with occasional appearances from Bobby Riggs. And instead, it's like 60-40. That's cool. Anyway. Anyway. Sorry. I realize we've been on this. Yes. And we're getting kicked out of the studio in half an hour. 32 minutes. Um, Well, you got 45. Oh, okay. But what happens? Uh, Honestly, well, we're almost done. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, he gets the papers. He's got the papers. That's when you have the scene you were remembering where she's, you know, he goes to K. There's yeah. this sort of recurring joke that he keeps showing up at her like a lovely Washington mansion. She's she's having lobby. a party giving a speech. She's always having parties and giving speeches. And he's like, K. They disrupt her speech to be like, you, you got to pick up the, this phone call. That's later. Oh, that's later. First okay. is him being like, yes. she, where she's like, do you have the papers? And he's like, not yet. Right. Right, right. Uh, but uh, that's when. Oh God! Can I just like I, I I've I've said this before with Spielberg. Is this going to be about fucking Tom Hanks being good at his job? No, no, you no, made no. your point. No, it's not. It's not. It's not at all. Okay. Uh, there is a moment. It might be this scene because yeah. there are a couple scenes that are similar of uh, Tom Hanks barging <laughs> in. They later make a joke. They call it out in the movie and say like, "What do you have a key? Like, how do you keep on coming in?" Yeah, here? Sure. I think he says you should give me a key. Yes, something like right. that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Allison Brie plays uh, Meryl Streep's daughter, K. Graham's daughter. Yeah. And uh, I think one of these scenes, he comes in when she's just sort of having family time with her daughter and her grandchildren. And they have a talk in front of the sort of big picture window doors to her backyard patio area. Uh-huh. And it's a two-shot. The whole conversation's in a two-shot with Allison Brie in the background, still in focus, three kids running around the table playing. Good call. And you're just watching Allison Brie watch their body language talking. Allison Brie's good in this movie. Very good in this. Yeah, yeah. Clearly trying to figure out, knowing that something's happening. Mm-hmm. And Spielberg just keeps it fucking there. And I just looked at it and I was like, this is a fucking movie. This is a movie where you have like an immaculately dressed period like setting Two, like three fucking pro actors playing out good dialogue and an unbroken take with so many interesting physical dynamics happening, right. you know? Yeah. And there's so many things like that where like Spielberg, when he says, I want to make this movie, A, he gets top of the line people and all the crafts, but yep. B, he gets the budget to he's make it properly. Team. Yes. And you look at this movie and it's like, he's got fucking wide exterior shots where they've dressed everything to look so error appropriate. And so many period films you see today, it's like clearly they're like, we're going to have to shoot this no, tight because I, we can only afford and also remember, like it was two feet uh, yes, of dressing. Yeah, no, you're all right. You're, I'm cutting you off. But I just yeah, love that Yeah, shit. yeah, yeah. But like you're right. In nine months, they made a fucking movie that has like those printing press scenes. Right. Like all these like nice elaborate And sets. you see like a full block. Like they go around a corner. You're like they had to get that many cars. They shot it in New York a lot too. Yeah, they mostly shot it in New York. Um, so and, and upstate, they said a little bit. I think White Buffalo Plains. as well. White Plains. Oh, wait, well, White, White Plains. I think it was White Plains, yes. It's where they shot the office stuff. Mm-hmm. Um... So the post is a film by Steven Spielberg came out a couple of weeks ago. Yes, I mean the Hanks and, and Streep have this series of uh, conversations Rough. about about his intention, why he thinks it's important. Sure, but like she knows it's this mix of him being like we have to defy this concept that the newspapers can't print this shit just right. because the government says so. But also, I want to beat the New York Times, and they've been shut down by the courts, so let me do it. There's yeah. like that window of time. I think yeah, exactly. they have. I don't, it's literally like, like we seven, can get ahead of that. 12 hours or something like that. Yeah, they this have is when a, the movie becomes on the clock. Because there's like, all that fun stuff in, I guess it's in Bradley's house, right. where you've got all the reporters like uh, Pat Healy and uh, Odenkirk and Carrie Coon yes. and 
Like they're all like they've spread the papers everywhere and they're all like his trying to figure out how they lemonade. Yeah. His oh, daughter's the making bits. a fucking yeah. that's a classic Spielberg bit. Yeah. I mean Maybe he read that in some book somewhere, but I love that. That's a moment, too, I love when Odenkirk pulls up in the taxi cab with the the box and is just like, get my briefcase, get my briefcase. Like, it's like a baby that he's, like, rushing to the hospital, you know? Yeah. Like, he's just running up the stairs with this box because they know the time is of the essence. Yeah. From the moment they open the box, they're like, we would have to go to press in eight hours. We have eight hours to comb through this, find our story. Get the story ready to hand it over to the press to get it out in time for tomorrow morning. Right. And then there's all these questions like the Times had months with this. Right. They could clear out any, like redact anything that really was a threat to national yes. security. Blah, blah, blah. Also, the two lawyers played ably by a full-faced Jesse Plemons. And a, a gaunt and a, Zach Woods. A not full-faced Zach Woods. Zachy yeah, Woods. A great comedy team. Uh, they're like pressuring Odenkirk where they're like, is your source the same source as the Times? Because then we're in the lawsuit. Right. You know, that, like, you know? Right. We could go to jail. And there's a scene that comes later, which, like, I remember someone saying, back in the old days of the IMDb message boards, RIP. Yeah. Remember someone in the Spielberg thread, I used to lurk around those, mm-hmm. saying, like, why, why is he such a great director? Like, I don't really get it. Can someone explain to me what a director does and why it's great? And someone wrote this whole post that I always think about saying, the thing with Spielberg is, You want to know what makes him a great director? Watch the way he blocks any scene. Mm. You know, he is so good at figuring out the physical movement. Blocking and shots and stuff. Yeah, he's a fucking good director. No, he is. I know. But there's the scene. I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit. Mise-en-scene next. Yeah. Where Jesse Plemons. or (laughs) mise-en-scene. Jesse Plemons Uh comes to Bob Odenkirk in the office and explains to him the stakes if this is indeed the same source. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Bob Odenkirk cannot reveal his source. But he goes, what are the odds? And he goes. And he's right on Odenkirk's face. Yeah. What Spielberg keeps doing, there are very few cuts in this. He keeps on rearranging them because they're moving around into a series of different yes, two shots. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Staggered. Who's in front? Who's in he's back? He's become this, what is this, semi-autician over yeah. here? What is this? 2018 Griffin with the fucking blocking. But it's like you look at him and it's like he knows how to get a scene, make it pop, give it some juice and do it in the fewest number of cuts possible. Keep the two actors. In I mean, th- that's always been his reputation is like he's the guy who like will walk in and be like, OK, I think I want this camera here, this camera here. Right. And like decide that shit so fast compared yeah. to like most normal and with the actors. If you're on this end of the table for this line, but then you cross over. But it's simultaneously. That was always like that. even when he was fucking directing Joan Crawford, it was always like the legend yeah. of Spielberg that he like knew his way around a set and in this sort of like right. magical way. Way. And Jaws yeah. is like a masterclass of that. I mean, that's yes. the thing everyone says is like he's the first guy who feels like he is fluent in cinema. Like he didn't have to learn cinematic language. That's just somehow like a second language for him that he just speaks of understanding. Good for him. They post the, they publish the Pentagon Papers. Hey, hey, <laughs> come on. They have a series of conversations and you have Streep, you have Fitz, you have Whitford, you have all these people arguing the different reasons why they shouldn't do it. I guess it's they finally, right, they finally have the papers. They're going to publish it. And so now it's right. That's that's when she gets out. that's when she gets pulled out of the um, speech the, yes. she's giving, where it's like you have to make the final call: do we do this or not? Right, and, and they, everyone's on the phone. Like Whitford's on the phone in her house. Letts is on the phone in Bradley's house. And I'm going to do another Spielberg stroke off here, but there's oh a thing God. I love. She's talking to like two or three people. It's a it's a conference call, right? Yeah, well, four people. There's at least four people on the phone, yeah. right? But in different in different rooms, uh-huh. he does this thing. Where he cuts with her turning her head, yeah. When she's talking to different people on the phone, as if she's in a conversation looking at different people, yeah. 
to give it more like pop. It just feels so tense and it's building up to this big moment where you're like waiting for her to give the big Oscar speech mm-hmm. about why they need to take a stand. And it's so tight on Meryl's face. And then right. she just goes, uh, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's go for it. Let's do it. Yeah, I think and we should do it. This is after Let's has said, I wouldn't do it. You right. know, the guy who usually sort of speaks for her. Right. And yeah, no, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Yeah, and then she yeah. sort of like, like gathers this momentum yeah. as she goes. And uh, that's what I'm going to say. And uh, I'm going to sleep now. Good night. It's the, cl- yeah. yes. And, and the audience the, bursts out into applause. It's the most right. deft underplaying I've ever but seen. It's, we're all waiting for her to do something to be like, yeah. you know, I say good day to you, sir. Right. You know, to Bradley Whitford or whatever. Right. And I guess she kind of does that later where she sort of says like, you know, you shouldn't be on the board if you don't support this kind of stuff. Right. But, but it, still, like, it, he yes. never leans into it, which I love. But it goes against that thing that I hate out of like certain historical films and biographies, biopics, where it's like, Every line I say is the most important thing that has ever happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am in this moment fully aware of the consequences of what I'm saying what, on history. What I love. And she's just kind of like, um, what? yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go I, what I love yeah. is, I guess, because there's still all this drawn out shit where Whitford's like, you can still back out. Mm-hmm. And they have to like, it goes down to this minute where the pre- printing press, they're like, Are we, do we go? Do we not go? And there's a line I love where they say, I think Clemens says, just know if you publish this, the post as you know it may cease to exist. Sure. And Hank says something to the effect of, if, if we, we let them intimidate us, then the it's post already as we know it is already to, already ceased to, ceased to exist. Which is a killer. Good line. He finally, you know, they get the go ahead. The press starts working and like this shot of Odenkirk at his desk and the desk is shaking because the, the press is press beneath them. Yes. Jowls which is are a, moving. Which is a real anecdote. And it's literally like moving the fucking earth. Yes. The news. And as Hanks pointed out, big fan of typewriters, he's like, my biggest takeaway from this movie is how fucking difficult it was to print a newspaper in those days because you see them having to lay out all the different blocks. And it's like, Oh, there's another moment. We saw this in a screening with a lot of critics and journalists, True. right? True. And there was a moment where they drop the piece on the desk of the copywriter, mm-hmm. the copy editor. Oh, God. I fucking love that. And it's go, so funny. Literally, they hand it to the copywriter. His first thing is he crosses out the lead. Right. It's so funny. And they say, you have 30 minutes. Yeah, and he's And like, the audience okay. applauded, which that will not get applause no, in most theaters. It's him cutting, immediately cutting the lead, which yes. all everyone, like, he's just like, no, too flowery. Yeah, you right. know, like, you could just tell. He's like, nope. You have 30 minutes. And just no. one fell swoop, oh, like, takes so out the good. pen, crosses it out. 30 minutes later, he's done. They put in the pneumatic tube. They're downstairs. They're putting the blocks on the press, laying out the, the front page. And the thing is uh, going. Yeah. There's another Meryl moment she has with a similar underplaying that well, I'm trying to Well, there's that thing now. where she tells Whitford to fuck off. Yes. But uh, I'm trying to remember if there's anything else. I mean, there is. She's yeah. the best, and I love Sarah her. Sarah Paulson gets her one moment where she has the speech where she kind of explains to Tom Hanks. Right. And then, of course, Streep has that moment with Alison Brie where she's yes. remembering her uh, right after her husband's suicide when Alison Brie wrote her this little note to read to the board. Yeah. Uh, which is very well acted. It's more of like a right. classic Meryl, like, you know, where she's sort of like monologuing at nobody and she has a... Oh, you know, does a lot yeah. of that, a lot of sighing, amazing sighs, holding the glasses in her holding hand, holding the glasses. They go on, they go off. She, she does sits. some amazing glasses work in this movie. She does because she has glasses, but she doesn't wear them for a lot of the film. But if you just want to watch an actor working well with props, she's got a move she keeps on doing where she holds one of the arms yeah. of her glasses and twirls it in her fingers when she's like deliberating on a big decision. Right. And it's fucking ace. Um, those are the two big sort of backwards and in heels monologues. 
which yes. I think Spielberg, you know, he said the Q&A that there were the co-themes to him about the media, you know, the press needing to be brave at moments where the government is actively right. trying to silence and suppress. Yeah. But also the co-theme of, you know, uh, the the amount of silent, invisible struggle that a woman in any industry has to go through. Right. And they have these two speeches that could have been overwrought. I right. think. Yeah. And Spielberg, as you said, puts too much critique at the beginning of the end of a lot of movies. You worry that he could underline that theme too much. But both of those moments, very underplayed. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, basically once they publish, you know, there are these nice moments of, like, you know, uh, Bradley points out the next day that all these other newspapers publish oh, the same story so where he tosses good. all the papers on the table. Just lines them That's out. really yeah. nice. And he could, we are not a small town paper And I'm anymore. like, yeah. I love this. And then there's the scene right after that where they're down in the printing press and Meryl Streep comes down and she's sort of like, you know, the press doesn't always get that's it right. And you're that's like, all right, Stephen, you know, we, we know, we right. know, but whatever. They say, that's they say that the, the newspaper is the first draft of history. Yeah. Doesn't she say it's something like, like that? No. But that's always what he does. He, he always does, does it. You, it's it sweet. It's the cake. And you kind of have to accept with Spielberg that there's always going to be a scene at the end where he assumes you don't get what the movie was about. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like he always does that. It's fine. And it's sometimes like, it's more it's elegant. like how your aunt, you know, just sort of like the anecdote just kind of goes on for a second. Right. Yeah. This time it's thankfully pretty short. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I uh-huh. file it next to like the kids jumping over the wall and the train and bridge right. of spies, which is just like, okay, get it over with. It's fine. It's fine. The movie should have ended with you know him face down in the bed. Uh, but, yeah, sure. But you know what else I love in what? this movie is, uh, well, you know, there's obviously like there's the Supreme Court scene where you see them all filing in, but mm-hmm. you don't actually, you know, see the court battle. Sure. Um, yes. But then you have Carrie Coon reciting the oh, uh, the um, the decision. I'll, I'll tell you over the phone. That's a moment I thought he put a little too much for No, no. You are very wrong. That is a great moment. That is such a good moment. I think that moment's played a little too much like an Oscar moment. I, I love it. I, I think it's great to get those words in there. They're so important. I agree. Much more than her then being like, oh, the press is an important institution. Yeah, yes. You know, the, yes. the more vague. I like, think it's important to get those words in there. Yeah. I think it's fine to she have the exact- Harry Coon's character be emotionally affected by the words. I think she plays it as if she's making the grand statement of the film. No. And I think she's a phenomenal actor. Uh, she's the best. She's so good. She's yeah. uh, obviously power couple with Tracy Letts. Uh, Carrie Coon. Really? Wait, you don't know that? No. Yeah, they're married. They've been married for years. I don't know anything. There was someone else I found out the other day. I didn't know, like two actors. I didn't realize had been married for like fucking 30 years. Uh, yeah, Tracy Coon, Carrie, uh, Carrie Coon, Tracy Letts. Tracy Coon and Carrie Letts. Oh, you know what's one I did? I just found out about recently? T- tell me. Winnie Holzman and Paul Dooley? Yeah. That's weird, right? That's a weird one. Hey, man, Paul Dooley. Hey. Get him on a Spielberg. He can get it. <laughs> you asked me, Paul. Do you know who Paul Dooley is? 68. I believe he's 91. That was way I off. looked him up recently. He's, he's cracked 90. He's 89. Okay. He's, he's cracked 89. 90. When's his birthday? Uh, good call. February. So, hey, in a couple months, happy birthday, Paul. February what? 22nd. I want him to have the same birthday as me. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Winnie Holzman is younger. Yes. Uh, she's like 63. She's more what I thought Paul Dooley was. I guess I'm thinking like Paul Dooley circa ER, you know, circa Paul, 1994. Paul is also a guy who looked 63 when he was 21. Like, he yeah, has Judd Hirsch face. That's true. He, like, he's a Wilford Brimley. Right. Yeah. Um... So yeah, that's the movie. It ends with the two of them walking off hand in hand 
uh, in the with the press, the press running behind him, right? Well, and also there is that moment, and this is another paprika moment. I, I yeah. rode the home, uh, I rode the home train with, a, I rode the train home with Jeez. David Ehrlich and his wife Elisa, who's the best. And we were talking about that moment of uh, Merrill walking out of the Supreme Court. And Michael Stuhlbarg is giving the time statement on the yeah. decision. And she just like navigates her way around. And she's like, I think we've said all we need to say. And just walks through a sea of women. Yes. All women. Where she, you know, and they're all kind of looking at her. Yeah. And uh, I was like, that's, that's, that was cheesy. And Elisa was like, I loved that. Oh, there's that really good moment too where she shows up and she doesn't know where, which room she should be in in the courthouse. And there's a girl who's like a, like a clerk. Uh, yes, which apparently was a scene that Spielberg expanded it was like two the lines. day of. Right. Yeah, That's that a, scene's pretty cute. I like it. Hank said, like, he was like, I just love a movie like this where everyone gets a moment. And I do love movies sure, like that's that a, where that was a good way for him to put feels it. feels like a character. Like, no yeah. one feels perfunctory just to, like, prop up another person to alley-oop, you know? Um, but she sort of gives the speech of being like, look, I know I'm working for the other side, but yeah. I, I hope you fucking cream them in there. Uh, yeah. Um... Yeah, the the movie ends with the two of them sort of walking off, right? I love this movie. No, no, no. No. This movie ends with a break-in at the Watergate. Oh, oh, right, right. But they also... Uh, setting up the sequel. Setting up the sequel. They make a crazy amount of money. The stock does really well, right? Yeah, Isn't sure. there a scene where they're popping champagne? Sure, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, every... Right, I mean, right. the bank's never pulled out, obviously. You right. know, like, what, what, what they fear is does, do not, does not come to pass. Because Spielberg said that he was worried about uh, having to recreate the same Washington Post offices <laughs> from all the president's men. <coughs> but then he realized... So iconic. Right, that they, they had hadn't shittier offices. that office They yet. didn't right. have uh, the cash uh, flow yeah. until uh, after yeah. this story. Um, right. And then, and then you get a, another tricky, uh, Dick Nixon conversation with him saying, yeah, like, where he's like, the, the can't do anything. Post. Oh, yes. Whacking day. Right. They, they will never report on us ever again. Mm -hmm. And then you see Oliver Stone should direct my biopic. That's what's crazy. This movie ends on a nuts cliffhanger. Cause you see a guard and he's like at this building. I think it's called. The the, 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 the the water home, grate, the home of the Atlantic magazine and website. Really? Yeah, that's where their offices that's are. Cool. I've, that's I've been to the Watergate many times. Uh, he's at the Watergate and uh, he sees the the door taped open. Right, and we zoom out outside, cut you to exterior. So, what do you think happens next? People, uh, the Watergate. Well, there were some guys with flashlights. <laughs> yeah, G Gordon like going through files. Yes. Uh, yeah, the Watergate's coming next, and of course, when you're you're watching it, you're realizing like, but of course, Spielberg didn't want to make the Watergate movie about the Post. That movie yeah. already got made. Do we try to predict the box office? I don't think we can predict now because it's like impossible. <gasps> but the, but this is what I want to do. What do you think this movie is going to do? Final total domestic? Because this is a movie I think could go any direction. Yeah, I actually have no idea because I it, a, a Bridge of Spies total. Which was, I think, Bridge of Spies' 80? total was 72. Yeah, 72. Okay. You know, seems perfectly plausible to me. But if this movie gets more Oscar traction, right. which I think it might, yeah. I see it more. And also that Christmas, yes. you know, the cannibalization that you have at the box office for like the next two months. Right. I think it could easily make it to like 130, 140. But I know. could also see it lowballing at 50. I could see it playing like Munich and not totally connecting because it is pretty <sighs> muted. No, I don't think so. This movie is more star driven and like the Munich was and yeah. it, it it's more feel good. It just, it, Munich is a feel bad movie. 
Sure. Yeah, I mean, it just it just is. My guess, Munich ended up at like fucking 40, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, but remember, Munich literally ends with Eric Bana being like, was that whole movie pointless? And Jeffrey Rush is like, maybe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're a good I guy. Yeah. Um, 47 Munich ended up. Okay. I, I think this probably ends up making it. I think it's just 80. good to note that we totally whiffed on our box office predictions for Justice League. Jesus Christ. We were way off. I mean, so, so was the studio, everything. to be clear. Yeah. I mean, we were basically going off the studio estimates, and the studio was like, yeah, Justice League will make 115, Wonder will make 15. Instead, it was basically like, take that 15 off of Justice League, put it on Wonder. We, we lowballed the star. We overshot the second weekend of Murder on the Orient Express. We got everything wrong. <gasps> oh, boy. Look, we're not always right. No, we're often wrong. Let's see. Uh, coming out the same weekend that the post goes wide. Uh huh. One second. Because I want to see if there's like some dumb horror movie. Jan 12th. Oh, uh, we've got Woman oh. in Black Three. <laughs> the woman back in back in black. I remember you and I going to see some movie and they played the trailer for Woman in Black, black Two, two yeah, yeah, yeah. that said it was coming out January first, and you uh-huh. were like, "Geez, they cannot wait to get that thing. Out. <laughs> <laughs> they are wasting no time pushing that thing onto the public." Was Radcliffe was even was no, he, he was, was even not in that it. one no, right? Yeah, no. I think Sam Claffin, Claffin maybe. Sure. I don't know. Whatever. No, unfortunately, it's going to have some competition because here's your January twelfth, my friend. Okay. The Commuter, which looks like a fucking delight, looks so fucking. Sharp. Liam Neeson, he's on a train. There's some business he's got to take care of, and that business is punching. We we saw the trailer when we went to see Justice League, and Tessa Claire Harris turned to me and was like, is this taken on a train? I was like, yeah, pretty yeah. much. And she was like, no, I mean, is it literally taken for, but this time he's on a train? No, it's the commuter. And it it's also, directed by, call it Sarah, you know, way better best. than fucking yeah. Megaton or whatever. Oh, yeah, fuck it's like, Megaton. you could say More the like, train is under siege. Ounce. Yes. It looks very under siege. It looks very nonstop. Do you think they go into dark territory at any point? I believe they do. Oh, I, yeah. I hope Are they serving broth there. on the train? We'll find out. <laughs> yeah. Ben, okay, for the listener at home, Ben just leaned into David, and David kissed him on the head, the forehead. Ben was looking for some kind of love. Um, I didn't know what else to do, really. Uh, I could have rubbed his head, I guess. Uh, we've also got Proud Mary. Sweet. Oh, which is going to be huge, I think. Quite possibly, although January 12th gives me pause that it's, like, abominable, so I hope it's good. I think they're trying to replicate a hidden figure. Yeah. Which uh, went wide that weekend, and that's going to be but like... Hidden Figures was a nice movie that everybody could agree was nice. It was the sequel to Larry Crown. Your mom says, oh, that's nice. Proud Mary, she's like killing people. I think Taraji is trying to carve out January to be her month. I'm all for it. And my dad... Most importantly... My dad emailed me after the Proud Mary trailer came out and said, this is the best trailer I've seen in 15 years. My dad is so pumped for Proud Mary. Good for you. Hey, shout out, Peter. Most excited for? Paddington 2. P2, baby. P2, P2 train stunning. He's a nice bear. He's back. And Warner Brothers is releasing it this time. They are. They uh, they bought the rights from... Uh, <laughs> Wash those hands. They bought the rights from a film company. Yes. Uh, the only thing left on those hands is marmalade, because Paddington's a nice bear. He's a nice bear. He never hurt anybody, and no. he deserves to be seen by every single member of the world, and he should be. Cannot wait to see that movie, P2. So actually, the post might be in trouble. Yeah, because I think P2 is going to open big. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I think a commuter will do solid business. Yeah. I I will ex- I, I expect that uh, the post. Although, but once again, we don't know because it's like what kind of fucking critical groundswells they're going to be for this movie. How much is it going to relate to the our time? That's the thing. We're walking out of there. The critics. We're all like, that was good. That seemed terrific. Actually, yeah. That seems like an Oscar winner. But you f- you think it's going to win Best Picture? 
I no, I think it's I think it could. I think this is like the craziest most wide open race. Let's do it on the record right now, yeah. November, what is it? 20 21st. Yeah. What do you think is going to win best picture as of today? Get out. Really? I mean, it's on the record. Why not? Yeah. No guts, no glory. Big swing. Yeah. So my prediction for a while has been get out because I felt like the Oscars are so fucking topical right now. Yes. The favorite is Dunkirk, which is kind of like the opposite of that kind of movie. I think Nolan still wins best director. I, I think too. he's going to get the Quran always thought for that Nolan is winning director. I think he's kind of got that locked. I agree. He's winning yeah. the Gravity Award. But exactly. In he's winning the Gravity IMO. Award. Yes. But I think but there's, I don't think I was wins kind best of, picture. I don't either because it is kind of a weirdly alienating movie anyway. Yes. And also it's not topical at all. And this is a year where I think the winner is going to be pointed. Maybe. and the, But then people are like, it's going to be pointed. And I'm like, it's going to be pointed. What movie are you talking about? And they were like three billboards. And I was like, go watch that movie and let me know if you think it's going to win best picture. And then people come back and they're like, all right, maybe not. Cause that movie is way too divisive to win best picture. Yeah. And then, you know, people were like, Oh, shape of water. And I was like, eh, that movie's kind of weird. She fucks a fish man. Like yeah. again, feels too niche. Right. Some people are lady bird. I'm like the Academy still mostly men who are sexist. Yes. That's I, I you know, I and, love lady bird. I think there's a 0% chance it wins best picture. Some people are saying, call me by your name. And I'm like, again, that's like, it's like an, this swooning eighties romance. Like right. it's again, not really like hot buttony and not to be reductive, but you can see a lot of the Academy being, being like, like, Hey, didn't we give it to one last year? Last year? Sure, right. Whatever. Right. That's very reductive, but sure. And then, so you're like, then you sort of swing back to Dunker. Cause you're like, well, you know what? So I was kind of like, what about fucking get out, man? That I movie's think, a phenomenon. I think Get Out's a good call, and you will look so fucking smart. That's the thing. And if it loses, I'll be like, well, I was a fucking brave person. Yeah. That's, I'm brave. Okay, so I'm going to be brave. I'm going to go on the record. Lego Batman movie sweeps. I think it's a good call. But then, you know, when we're coming out of that, and Ehrlich was like to me, like, you don't think that wins Best Picture? Nolan wins Best Director? And I was like, that does seem pretty plausible. But let's, <laughs> let's see. Let's see what, I mean, look, for once, we are not the connoisseurs of context. We are, we are the connoisseurs, but we don't have the context. Sure. You, the listener, are listening to this episode knowing what state the world is in when this movie is released. Sure, but the Oscars will really cast yet. the die for this film, I think. Cast that, that die, That was me baby. casting a die. Yes. All right, we did it. We did, we did it, guys. It's an hour and a half. So now, you know, we're, we're officially at the end of our corridor of all these sort of one-off episodes we've had to do. Uh, that's right. And very excited that next week we begin our miniseries on the films of Paul Verhoeven in that, Hollywood. That is true. Our first episode is Flesh and Blood. Hey, stick with us, folks. Uh, <laughs> content warning. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that movie hard, is really intense. Yeah. Hard, hard content yeah, warning. Yeah, uh, yeah, yes. It has a lot of sexual violence. Yes. So just if you want to watch along with us, I people often do, and that's great. But I'm just saying, you might Flesh and Blood, which is on Amazon Prime right now for you to watch, yes, is a lot. It's a brutal capital movie. A capital L a lot. It's a brutal movie. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and then we recorded a whole episode about it. Yes, we did. Yes. Uh, so you can listen to that next week. Uh, Podship casters. We announced this already, right? We're, I'm just we're We've just uh, we're just previewing it. Next week is Flesh and Blood. Got Robocop coming up. All our friends are going to be there. Robocop, a seven-hour, four-part episode. Yeah, Robocop, which is just Griffin just sighing loudly. Just, oh. It's not sighing, it's moaning. All right. Uh, we got all kinds of fun stuff coming up. Robert Cop. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Thanks to Ange Fergudo for our social media, Joe Bowen and Pat Reynolds for our artwork, Lane Montgomery for our theme song. Go to blankies.reddit.com for some real nerdy shit. Yes. And? As always. And as always. 
Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's go for it. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. 